Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today springs in bloom and so are the new lavender drinks at starbucks enjoy subtle sweet notes of lavender paired with silky matcha or rich espresso for a fresh floral take on classic cafe beverages order yours now in the starbucks app hey y'all ben kissel here with some exciting news this show along with your other lpn favorites is going exclusive to spotify on valentine's day 2020 how romantic spotify accounts are free and easy to create you don't need to put down credit card information or anything like that you can download and listen to all our episodes right now with a free account the last podcast network and all your favorite music in one place what are you waiting for listen to the last podcast network free on spotify let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. Travis, how the heck are you doing, my man? I'm I'm just thinking, it's fun to receive memes from friends. You got a meme yeah, sent to I, you, huh? No, I, I, I like to receive memes, uh, you know, serial killer memes, uh... Uh, funny memes. Funny memes. Sure. Um, but What's the the meme with the guy, the guy with the red hair and his eyes, they're closed sometimes and then they're open and then people have used that. That's a meme. You're talking about the monster from Pan's Labyrinth? No idea. Um, but I think Jeff Bezos had a very interesting experience recently receiving well, this, a meme. Um, and this is the meme. Well, this is in context because the Saudis, well, we have the Saudis to thank for the salacious sexual messages from Jeff Bezos, correct? We do have to thank them for that spank bank material. Ooh, I want to know but, how uh, Bezos <laughs> warms up his ladies. So Bezos got a meme sent to him. Right. Uh, the meme reads, arguing with a woman is like reading the software license agreement. In the end, you have to ignore everything and click I agree. But, <laughs> now that which is, is a, classic you know, which humor. Which is like a, a little bit of a Tim Allen uh, kind of kind of style of humor. <laughs> the the thing that must be shocking is receiving a meme like that from like a homicidal maniac who butchered a journalist and stuffed his limbs into a bag. Well, raffle. That just really tinges the the meme text relationship for me. Well, to, it makes to everything get that, to get that kind of joke sent over you have to laugh really hard you have to do a lot of lols a mm -hmm. lot of ha ha's a lot of crying laughing emojis are you telling me and this is a true statement i'm about to make are you telling me this is a question first followed by a statement that you don't think jeff bezos truly almost fell off his chair laughing at that because i believe jeff bezos got that meme and cackled and cackled like he was on the set of Cats, and he had a feline fetish. He loved you because that is that's billionaire humor. That okay? It's nerd billionaire humor. You have a licensing agreement. That's 
that's a great setup for a nerd billionaire joke. That's true. And then how many times have you had to hit, I agree, but you didn't even read it, nor in this case did you listen to the argument being made by your significant and other. And I, I think the subtext of this text exchange is, yes, I could kill a woman and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's just a little meme mm-hmm. news. I'm the token millennial, so I thought I'd bring some meme news onto the show. I think that's great. You know, Jeff Bezos laughs like the penguin without emphysema because he don't smoke. He's very healthy. That's what he loves. Well, the opposite of healthy, Donald Trump. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in his life right now. We have phase one of the Chinese trade deal. That is complete. Phase one wow. has been completed. So we're going to talk about the exciting news of the Chinese trade deal. We'll also talk a bit about impeachment. That's happening. And my God, it's must turn the channel television. It's so exciting. Adam Schiff has the same eyes that Doc Ellis had when he pitched the no-hitter with a brain full of acid. His eyes, he looks like he's blooming. He looks like he's on strong, strong edibles, powerful shrooms. He's seen the light, and he wants the American people to see the light as well. Trump is really, I mean, he's hit it out of the park again with the uh, with the Adam Schiff nickname. What is that one? Pencil neck Adam Schiff. <laughs> it's like Freddie Classy Blassie, who was a former professional wrestler who called everyone pencil neck. And again, Vince, uh, and again, Trump, rather, is in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's true. So uh, he knows how to come up with nicknames that stick, and we are in a kayfabe world. So Adam Schiff, <laughs> I'm just looking Adam at Pencil Neck Schiff. I'm looking at the the Donald Trump merch site, and uh, they have right there for you Pencil Neck Adam Schiff T. And in the description, it says no collusion, 100% Pencil Neck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's where impeachment has... That's where we are now in our national (laughs) conversation. And that pretty much sums up the impeachment trial in the Senate, honestly. Theoretically, it is the most powerful tool that the House has at their disposal to oust a corrupt president, and it is now being used to sell merch that, again, belongs at the WWE merch store as... Donald Trump has cleverly nicknamed Adam Schiff Pencil Neck. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about China. We'll talk about the impeachment hearing. Where is it going? What do we? What should we expect? Oh, my God. It's like so crazy. We'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about Hunter Biden. You know, and this is not going to be like the whole thing. Or like, how did he get on the energy board of this big ass company? This is more hot goss where evidently. His dead brother, which is very sad. He died of, uh, Bo died of brain cancer. Very sad. Hunter married his wife, his widow. Yes. And then he also managed to have time to uh, get a uh, stripper, a sex worker, a performer, a neurotic dancer, whatever nomenclature you want to use. He managed to get her pregnant. And then he has not been paying child support. He's got a 16-month-old. You got to pay child support, Hunter. It's pretty simple. You got enough money. Give give some money to the lady. She's got to raise this kid. And you know she's raising the kid, right? She's a performer and she works. Iran has also offered um, a bounty. There's a bounty for the scalp of Donald Trump. And you know how much that could go for. Evidently $3 million. So there's a bounty. An Iranian sen- senator said, 
I want Dog the Bounty Hunter, the Iranian version, to come here, to go to Washington, come here, get orders, go to Washington, D.C., and bring me back the beautiful scalp of Donald Trump. I don't know if that's going to work. I'm assuming that Alyssa Milano would kill Donald Trump for just a million dollars. So perhaps this Iranian senator is wasting his money. Also, in good news, Utah, the very conservative state of Utah, beautiful people, beautiful country. Have you been to Utah, Travis? We've been to Utah. You were in Salt Lake City yes, with us, we right? Yes, we went to Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is one of the most beautiful cities I have ever been to. I climbed to the mountaintop and I looked over because that's where the capital is. You have to walk very high to get to the capital, which is a brilliant way to avoid protesters. Yes. Make them walk uphill. No one likes to walk uphill. I was almost dying doing it. Salt Lake City, absolutely beautiful. I toured the museum, the Mormon Museum. Uh Uh-huh. It turns out the Mormons, how do you survive every war? Show up late. That's right. That's what they did. They just showed up two weeks late. No deaths, no casualties. That's brilliant. That's Mormon. That's the Mormon thinking for you. Salt Lake City, very, very pretty. Uh, I thought it was pretty desolate. I thought it was... uh Nobody's on the streets. No, they're busy. They're in they're in the tabernacle. Okay. Or the church. They're getting married. They do like five marriages a day because otherwise they can't touch each other. And you know these youths, they're so desperate one of for the, physical contact. I will say one of the the interesting things I learned while we were in Salt Lake City is that the the Mormons mm-hmm. they love Book of Mormon. They do. Yeah. They really? sold out shows. The one of the stage I guess the stage manager of the theater that we're at was saying that Book of Mormon sold out like months and months in advance. Uh loved beloved by the Mormon community really? and the ex Mormon community. It's the one huh. thing that they've kind of like come together for, uh, is Book of Mormon. Well, I would not have thought that. I and thought we they learned, would be upset. And we learned a little bit more about Mormon girls. Uh, the well, that's pornography. The genre, yeah. We learned a lot about Mormon culture, but uh, it was just porno. M- <laughs> most of Mormon culture is is uh, is, uh, is being an ex-Mormon and also Mormon girls. The genre of of porn. Henry does do his research for last podcast on the left. He watches a lot of footage. He practices his uh, amazing character work. The only thing that he brought to our Mormonism series was that he watched the porno Mormon Girls multiple times, and we have the performers of Mormon Girls. They are listeners, yes. many of them, and that's great. So if you're out there and you are a performer in the Mormon Girls series, great work, wonderful job. You get the Ben Kissel Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was interesting to find out that it was an entire genre, not just a video. It's, it's like finding out they made uh, not just one Star Wars porn parody, but like, an entire trilogy of Star Wars porn parodies and then the prequel porn parodies mm-hmm. and then the post Ryan Johnson uh uh JJ Abrams porn parodies as well. So that's Well, I'm going to say there's a couple of controversial ways to have a Star Wars porn parody. This is if I was a porn I'm going to put my producer cap on if I was theoretically a porn producer. This is not Ben Kissel talking. I would call it Star Wars Okay. That works, right? Yeah, I mean it's a little it's a little mean. It's a little mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But of course when people search on their Pornhub, it's not a PC place for men or women. Sure. Now, you can imagine what these ladies are searching out there. Star 
come. That's it's pretty on the nose. It's pretty on the nose, but it's less hurtful. Yeah. It is less hurtful, uh, for sure, less hurtful. Um, and that's all I got. Okay, we'll also talk a little bit about what's going on with Donald Trump and the travel ban. Remember the travel ban? Everyone was talking about it. It was a few countries in the Middle East. Uh, Donald Trump called it a Muslim ban. That's unconstitutional to ban somebody based on a religious affiliation. However, when his lawyers went to argue in the Supreme Court, they said it's not about being Muslim. It's about coming from a country that may be hostile towards Americans, yada, yada, yada. Nonetheless, the Supreme Court said the president of the United States has a bunch of leeway when it comes to immigration. So they upheld the travel ban by a five to four decision. Again, that is why it's so important uh, in 2020 that we see somebody uh, who is much more moderate when it comes to, or much more appropriate when it comes to civil rights, when it comes to civil liberties, and when it comes to seeing people as human beings, because that person will be appointing who will sit on the Supreme Court next. And as we have seen, currently the court is pretty stacked for the conservatives, and the people who lean left are leaning far left because they're falling over on account of their age and they're all about to die. So the next president of the United States will certainly, certainly be choosing at least one, probably two Supreme Court justices. That is why these elections matter. It's not just who is on the top of the ticket. You also have to look beyond and think about the judges that will be appointed by the person in office. So we're going to talk about a potential expansion of the travel ban. And these states, I don't even know, I don't even know why these countries are on the list, but we're going to talk about it. And lastly, we will discuss the New York Times. The New York Times. Travis, do you think you're brave, Travis? Uh, I, I am not. Do you think you're brave, Travis? Well, I thought so until uh, Sunday night. Yeah, when the the endorsement came out. The New York Times is so hashtag brave, so hashtag strong and woke. They couldn't just choose one presidential candidate. No, no, no. They chose two. And who did they choose? But the two women running. Because Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren, they're so similar in policy. They're so similar in record. They're basically the same person. None of that is true. But the New York Times, they don't even see race, but they do see gender. Yes. And they wanted to send a message to the establishment. It's time for a lady. And any lady will do, from Elizabeth Warren to Amy Klobuchar, the woman who has so many zingers, she repeats the same one a thousand times. And after they endorsed they endorsed Elizabeth Klobuchar. I love Elizabeth Klobuchar. She's great. They, they did she the, talks to all of her ex-boyfriends. They did the fusion dance and became one kind of like brindle fly creation. Fused them together. Oh. Um, no, it really, it, it's amazing because like you said, uh, the they sort of have opposing policies, opposing within beliefs. The, within the Democratic primary. Obviously, they're not polar opposites. They're both pro-choice. That's a massive issue when it comes to left and right. Economic policy, they are about as opposite as they can get within the Democratic Party. Elizabeth Warren, Medicaid for all, Medicare for all, free colleges, um, expansion of uh, you know welfare and things like that. And when it comes to Amy Klobuchar, 
she sounds much more conservative than Elizabeth Warren on economic issues. I do not understand what the New York Times was thinking. This seems to me like such a such a lame attempt by a parent to be cool. Yes. It's like a parent in the 90s who goes to their kid's basketball game covered in FUBU gear or covered in Jenko or wearing yeah. Jinkos, just being like, I'm hip. I'm like you. And it's like, no, you just need to like be you. Yeah. And you don't have to chase what you think being cool is, New York Times. And if the because this ain't it. And besides that, I mean the the whole New York Times endorsement, they made a big point about the transparency of the process, which involved video coverage of these meetings with the candidates themselves, yes. which resulted in some truly like goosebump-inducing, strange interaction, Lynchian conversations between, between the candidates and the New York Times uh, op-ed crew. They're just like you and me, Travis. Who had... It was like a wax museum of smug expressions. It was the strange... They're the strangest people sitting in this room reacting in ways that do not correspond to the things that are being said. Right. Um, I My favorite, obviously, was Judge's meeting with the New York Times op-ed board where they confronted him on the Canadian bread pricing fixing scandal. Do you remember this? I don't even remember, so, but it sounds like a huge deal that so, really matters to the American people. Well, so Buttigieg worked for McKinsey, which is a, consult, a consultancy firm. Now, this is kind of a conservative uh, consulting yeah. firm as well, and right? They really had their fingers in a, a bunch of different like awful pies. Okay. And one of those uh, was... <laughs> Basically, fixing the prices of bread in Canada, <laughs> like boosting the prices and turning, you know, Buttigieg was kind of like the Martin Shkreli of Canadian bread. Really? <laughs> yes. And he, he called, you know, he was like, this is bullshit. He really, you know, he said that in the yeah. in the meeting with the New York Times op-ed board. But it's amazing for him to, to, to see him lose his cool so immediately right. by pointing out a thing that he was involved in. Well, you know who really suffers the pigeons, and I love pigeons. The Canadian I, pigeons. The Canadian pigeons. They're not as they're not as uh, hardy as our New York pigeons. No, New York pigeons are eating halal food. New York pigeons <laughs> eat amazing pizza. New yeah. York pigeons eat some of the best food in the world. Canadian pigeons need that bread. So, based upon my pro pigeon stance that you know I've had for decades, true, I got to go against Buttigieg on this. You don't fix the price of bread. But, uh, I mean, this whole thing was a... Symbolic, though? Symbolically? Yeah. It, that sounds horrible. Uh, Raising the price of bread does... Because when we think about these yes, things... It's literally the, like, it's manna. It's it's the yes. thing that... It's the sort of the base... Bread is a euphemism in politics for all food. Yes. So to, to be the one who, like, raises the price of bread, everyone's like... It's not that big of a deal. It's just... It's stupid, and well, it sounds horrible. And, his, and Buttigieg's work with... Uh, McKenzie, you can point out a lot of awful things where sure. he where he can easily deflect and say like, "Oh, I didn't really, I wasn't like directly involved in that." But I, you know, that is where Buttigieg like he learned the ropes of being uh, being Buttigieg. He worked for a evil, vile consultancy firm that dealt in in price fixing scandals and and overseas uh, weapon shit. Mm. You know, like it, it's. Um, he really cracked under the pressure and, and it was hilarious to see. But then you have somebody like Sanders who responded very eruditely to these questions about why is 
populist racism sort of having a resurgence. Uh, and the faces of the the New York Times op-ed board was complete dis, uh, incredul- incredulousness. Well, about- the New York Times is more disconnected than they ever have been. I don't think they reflect the will of the people. There's a very small percentage of the American people that trust the New York Times at this point. I do read... The New York Times, when it comes to news, for example, they will keep you up to date on who is in the race, what are their key points. Uh, But when it comes to their editorial board, again, this is opposite of the New York Times news wing. This is editorializing. Obviously, it's in the name. It's not the truth. This is just what 13 rich people who work in Midtown think. And if you want to know the opinions of the American people, 13 people in Midtown Manhattan are not going to get it right. Absolutely. So, and the whole and the whole thing, by the way, was uh during a lot of the video content for this endorsement process, it was a huge advertisement for their Hulu show. The Weekly. Oh, I don't know if you. I don't know if, no, I know the Weekly. So the yeah. Weekly, I mean, it's not doing great numbers, but they they basically package this great. endorsement as an advertisement for that show, and then it's almost like none of it's real. The advertisement is for them being bad at their jobs. Great. Like, <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about what this means for Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. For Amy Klobuchar, the New York Times endorsement's the biggest news that she's had in this entire election cycle. Without a doubt, it's good for her. We are running a campaign, or the intelligent Democrats are running a campaign against the corporate institutions that have destroyed this country, right? New York Times being one of those institutions in some ways. Elizabeth Warren, if she was smart, would have said, thank you, but no thank you. I don't want your elite celebrity endorsement. Of course, they're celebrities in the journalistic world, without a doubt. I don't need it. I am good. This campaign is about the American people. This campaign is about the middle class. This campaign is about the working class. I understand Elizabeth Warren has taken small donations. She's not doing super PACs. All of that is wonderful. My personal opinion is this endorsement from the New York Times shatters all of the wonderful goodwill that that had given her when it comes to running a supposed grassroots campaign. In an election where we are trying to take on the oligarchs, getting an endorsement from an oligar- from a company that is run and owned by portions of the oligarchy is not a good look. And I believe that Elizabeth Warren has consistently, starting with the ridiculous accusations going against Bernie Sanders, trying to draw a wedge within the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, claiming that Bernie Sanders is a sexist, which, again, is one of these things that is going to be up for interpretation. It is not about policy. There's no concrete foundation for the claims, but you just throw that out there. And as Karl Rove taught all of us, Karl Rove, of course, the man who was behind getting George W. Bush elected, the man who planted the story that John McCain had a black child out of wedlock, despite the fact that that child was adopted, they completely and utterly uh, tried to dismantle John McCain's entire family. They tried to say that he had an affair, all of this nonsense. 
Yes, the campaign denied it, but of course, Karl Rove was the one who planted all of those stories. Those stories stick in the minds of people. That's what Elizabeth Warren went for when it comes to Bernie Sanders calling him a sexist. If you look on social media, which again is not a reflection of reality, uh, not an accurate reflection of reality, but some people will just go with it. They're yeah. just There's going to be a group of people that are just going to go with it, beginning with that Hail Mary. Now with the New York Times endorsement, the way that she has run her campaign in 2020, gearing up to February 3rd, of course, then we're going to have the Iowa caucuses, which is going to be a big deal. Not always, but many times the person who wins Iowa wins the nomination. It's a big, big starting point for uh, this election. You know, you want to start the gate. You want to get out of the gates. You want to score first. You want to get that touchdown first. Send a message. Let everyone know uh, that you're on offense and they're on defense. I just feel like she has handled this entire thing horribly. She should have denounced it. She should have, she should have said, no, yes. thanks. I'm nothing like Amy Klobuchar. And to see Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar in the same sentence, it is not good for Elizabeth Warren. And that's why we're seeing polling numbers going to Bernie Sanders yeah. without a doubt. Voters who liked Warren have seen how her campaign has decided to go dark go negative try to persuade people that Bernie Sanders is somehow a horrible man we have seen that narrative not working and some of Elizabeth Warren supporters are already going to Bernie Sanders this is like I mean this really is like a monkey's paw situation for Warren she opened that box that Pandora's box of like Bernie is a sexist, and then she, she made wasn't it all even doing that, and then ma made it. I know, and, and made it all about this shit. Right. And then here, the monkey's paw into this is that the New York Times endorses you, a woman, and right. then also just another woman. Another woman. There you go. Which also begs the question: Is this? To me, this looks like women can't. To me, this is the New York Times. Telling women that they can't deal with it is losing. It is hobbling Warren's campaign. Yes, it is like the New York Times being like, "Oh, well, if we just choose one woman, the other woman's gonna go off the deep end. She's gonna be, she can't deal <laughs> right. with it. She's gonna be devastated." Right. See, I mean, it is the same thing. Uh, it is this sort of counterintuitive version of what it means to be a woman. Instead of seeing, I feel like it's almost placating to them it's almost speaking down to women just being like oh we knew you one couldn't handle losing so we gave it to both but you know what there's only one president of the united states this isn't a job where everybody wins there's one winner there's one person that gets across the finish line i think it's offensive to women i think the entire thing is speaking down to women and i just feel as if uh, the Warren campaign had a opportunity yeah. to come across as if they're strong, as if they're able to handle all that comes with running for political office, all of the slander, all of the mudslinging. They could rise above and be seen as strong as opposed to pulling out the red card in politics, which is the victim card. She had a chance to just say, yeah, Bernie Sanders, his supporters, they're going out there. They're saying bad things about my record. They're pointing out my record and how it differs with, Bear, with with Bernie's. Cool. I love my record, and I'm ready to stand up and fight for what I've been fighting for. I love the things I've done in the Senate, and I'm going to continue to fight for the things that I've accomplished in the Senate uh, so far. I'm going to continue to fight for the American people as opposed to complaining and whining because, again, the Democratic Party 
knows who they're going to be going against in 2020. And if you can't handle, if you cannot handle the insults from a Bernie bro or a Bernie girl, I don't know what to tell you because Trumpers are a hell of a lot more vicious and Donald Trump is a hell of a lot more vicious. And this coincides with Hillary Clinton coming out slamming Bernie Sanders. Yes. So all this looks like in this past month, as just lay people, I mean, obviously we follow news very closely. This is our job. But if you're just a lay person, you see the New York Times endorsing Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. You see stories being planted on CNN about how Bernie Sanders is a sexist. Again, in the last episode, we broke down how that's completely nefarious a lie. It's a nefarious lie. And it's insane. And now all of a sudden you have Hillary Clinton out there. She's speaking to massive newspapers. Again, old media that nobody cares about. Old. I think this was in Vanity Fair or Variety or some crap like that that literally is as good as toilet paper. It's the it's the tech bust of the 90s is what is going on right now with the magazine world. All of a sudden she says. Yes. Bernie Sanders. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. In the Senate. And I'm like, well, we're not exactly electing a class president and <laughs> nobody likes the Senate. Yeah. But uh, I mean, speaking of Hillary, uh, the New York Times sure knows how to pick. They know how to pick a, a loser when it comes to endorsements. They do. Uh, so, I mean, this. They're not the. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're not connected to the will of the people. They're not connected. I mean, they they endorsed Hillary. Uh, and this is just a kiss of death for the Warren campaign, which is unfortunate because if if anyone would be se- you know second to Sanders as far as in my estimation of like who would be a good candidate, I thought Warren would. But I this have is- the t the t shirt came. I swear to God, I got the t shirt a week before her campaign decided to go in this desperate but- scorched earth. Uh, style and I'm like, God damn! It, I just got the shirt. If if anyone with I think common sense is reading this, the endorsement, the various attacks on Sanders, it just means he's he's popular and he's doing better than he's, ever. He's doing better than ever, and he's what the uh, establishment doesn't want, which is that is a good thing actually. Uh, it you know, is. It, it's a uh, it's it's a good sign. Um, a but, lack but, of endorsement is oftentimes a great endorsement. And to be endorsed by something that nobody likes is a bad endorsement. Yes. I mean, here comes Hillary Clinton. She was banished to the phantom zone after after losing the election. And then who asked for her opinion about this? I have no idea. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people will say this, and I agree with these people saying this. Hillary Clinton has a right to speak. She has a right to theoretically run for office again. She can do whatever the hell she wants to do. Bernie Sanders also had a right to run for office in 2016. Hillary Clinton is still putting this narrative forward that Bernie bros cost her the election. Yeah. She cost herself the election by having the worst campaign in American history. In our lifetime anyway, that's what I'll say. Worst campaign by far. Bob Dole looks like a a king candidate next to how Hillary Clinton ran. She has the right to speak. Bernie Sanders had the right to run for office. So now we have this situation where there's some people who say people are trying to silence Hillary. She has every right to speak. And then when Hillary speaks, all she does is blame Bernie Sanders and complain that he had the audacity as a sitting U.S. senator to run for president of the United States. The Clintons are the most entitled people in this country they make every boomer 
look like someone who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and worked super hard as opposed to being the entitled folks that they are. Hillary Clinton has zero, zero ground to stand on when it comes to her complaints about Bernie Sanders. People are allowed to run for office. You have to compel people to vote for you. That's why I don't give any credence to third-party so-called spoilers. You have the job to compel people to vote for you. If you fail at that job, you lose. Nobody else's fault but your own. Hillary Clinton has attacked Bernie Sanders more than she has criticized Jeffrey Epstein. I will say that. This is this is a and Bernie was never Bernie was never invited. Bernie was they don't want, never. They do Ber- not want <laughs> as they're having sex with underage children and Hillary watches with uh, with Huma Abedin in the corner. They do not want Bernie Sanders to be like the one percent. Yeah. Oh, the one percent. Bernie, shut change. up. We're trying to have sex with children over here, would you? Climate change emissions will maybe mean you won't be able to have sex with children in the future. Exactly. So Bernie has nothing to do. He is the only politician. Well, not the only. But he is one of the more powerful people yeah. uh, in the country that never got persuaded they even got, by Jeffrey Epstein to go got, to his island. They got Chris Tucker. They got Chris Did Tucker. Did they get Chris they Tucker? They got Chris, yes. Get out Russia. of here. He was on the plane with, with Clinton. Well, he didn't do anything wrong. Oh, I don't know about that. No, 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 no. Chris know. Tucker did nothing wrong. His uh, his performance in uh, The Fifth Element can't save him now. It can. Okay. It was a great performance. So Bernie Sanders, right now in New Hampshire, he's at around 30%. He's doing well. He's trending high in Iowa. We will see if this obvious smear campaign ends up hurting or helping. I think the American people now, after we've seen the curtains been pulled back, we've seen the wizard, we know the people who are pulling the strings. Because of the world that we live in, because of the free flow of information, the power base that was once uh, so important and solid and indestructible is no longer indestructible. We understand what the media is doing. And again, I am not even hyper. I like Bernie on foreign policy. I like Bernie on trade. It's actually similar to Trumpism in some ways on trade and foreign policy. A little bit hesitant in some ways when it comes to him and the economy. But I do. at the end of the day, I think Bernie Sanders is pissing off the right people. Yes. And if these people are that scared of Bernie Sanders, there's something inside of me yes. that says I must. Absolutely. Th- there must be something good going on with this guy. The other prong of this yes. is that Barack Obama... He is just waiting in the background, being like, whenever you need me, coach. Like secret weapon, he like gonna secret be, weapon yeah. X. He's going to be the secret, the secret, like last minute summon that is going to come onto the stage. And, and he's, he really thinks he's going to descend from the heavens mm. and change the whole game board. Well, the way that he talks about it, too, the way that Obama, I mean, again, when it comes to our Spotify deal, by the way, exclusive to Spotify, all of the shows, February 14th, Valentine's, Valentine's. Day, Day of Love, or a day of sitting alone, playing video games, which I'm going to be doing, and I love that idea, eat some edibles. The way that Obama talks about what he will do if Bernie gets close to the nomination, the way he's like, well, if it gets close, I will descend. He really, he really I- talks about himself as if... 
as if he will just he will magic. Mag- I mean, he he yes. really thinks he he can. I mean, and I understand and he, why he thinks he can. He has the will to change the reality is because of so much support he's had. Let's remember, he ran against a very weak John McCain with a <laughs> much much weaker VP choice in Sarah Palin. Then he ran against a very unliked Mitt Romney. He never had the Republican base. Mitt Romney was seen as a total elitist. He had two fairly easy elections. It's not like he went against the creme de creme when it comes to political opponents. But his image is untarnished in the minds of so many people Barack- despite being like but despite deporting despite despite the the constant the drone, drone strikes war. like absolutely he's a perfect he's a perfect angel in so many people's heads so the idea that he would come out and be like actually bernie is not allowed to play oh, this game he could I he thinks that it. he could do that and i think a lot of people would actually be like oh i didn't know that he, bernie's not allowed to be president sorry i didn't know I yeah didn't know. my bad i thought we had a democracy you to make it more explicit by manipulating the media and like uh, it, it so it, he's barack- gonna come down from from the sky and tell us that bernie's not actually a viable candidate and barack obama why did i bring up spotify it's because our deal was second largest only to the Obamas. <laughs> yeah. The Obamas right now are producers. The producers. Uh, the producers. Yeah. Uh, Netflix, they signed a deal with Netflix. They're going to make uplifting documentaries. Can't wait. They have been, in my personal opinion, a massive letdown post-presidency. You still have a lot of political capital. You have billions of people listening to you and the obamas decide to go the hollywood <laughs> route uh, it's just they want to like, become the first post-presidential billionaire couple it is so sad i voted for him twice and i would still vote for him twice i just feel like the t- the tenor of the country has changed the political landscape has changed these old titanics such as the Clintons, to a lesser degree the Obamas, because, again, we can still remember what life was like under Obama. It wasn't the worst. Uh, the economy was steadily growing. He did get us out of a recession, despite any Republican talking points. The economy wasn't growing quite as fast, but it was also a much different time, and he had a hell of a challenge in front of him when it comes to the horrific policies, economic policies by the W that he had to deal with from the W campaign or the W um, administration rather. So it is like, I understand there is a little bit of love for the Obamas, but the way that they have now tied themselves to the same entities that they were supposedly supposed to change the way that they were supposed to come in. And don't forget there is countless Obama Trump districts for a reason People wanted to take on the establishment. That's what Barack Obama promised, both in uh, skin color. You had the physical manifestation of change. And then his campaign was all about change. We did get gay marriage, which was wonderful. That was a Supreme Court decision. But when it comes to Obama now tying himself to the corporate, to the political elites, this just makes Bernie Sanders the only one in the eyes of the American people that is fighting against these people. And I feel like that populist message, the Bernie populist message, the populist message that doesn't have the same racial rhetoric, negative racial rhetoric that Donald Trump has, it's really 
there is a reason why Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump have huge crowds. Yes. And Bernie Sanders uh, has a huge crowd full of diversity. And Donald Trump was able to get a crowd of people uh, slightly less diverse, but people that felt underrepresented. They're both dealing with populations that felt underrepresented. And Bernie Sanders has so many young people. So many young people, um, so many folks of color. And this whole thing that they are continuing to push, this sexist narrative, it's what they tried in 2016 and it didn't stick. And they're trying it again with Bernie. The whole notion of Bernie bros on social media, I can't really speak. I don't know. I don't know what the hell the Bernie bros have done. I think it's an example of social media but is not real. Every woman or most of the women that I know support Bernie more than I do. I believe that he has more female support yes. than many of the other Democratic candidates. Probably more, definitely more than Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar is only supported by her ex-boyfriends. Only. And there's dozens of them, evidently. So the entire narrative that they are pushing forth, it's not accurate. And this is why people say, this is... This is why it's hard for me to understand why certain elite institutions don't understand why no one trusts them. Because everyone's like, oh, look at this Bernie rally. We got guys. We got girls. We got transgender folks. We got we got gay folks. We have everyone under one tent here. That's cool. And then you go to the roundtable on CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News, although Fox doesn't really talk about the Democratic Party in this in this way. But you go to the roundtable. And they'll just tell you obvious lies, such as Bernie Sanders' campaign is somehow sexist. And you know if there was an African-American there, they would somehow say that he's also a racist. It just doesn't work. It's not going to work with the American people. If anything, as we're seeing with the polling data, it's driving people to Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren's, I don't know who is advising her. (laughs) They need to be fired. Uh, we need to have a female president. We need to have a female campaign. We need to have a female campaign for president without having all of these takedown methods. Like this takedown method that Bernie Sanders is a sexist, it's just not working. It's not resonating. And it's driving people away. Yep. If for, a, for a guy nobody likes, uh, Bernie Sanders just shot to the top of a national CNN survey out this Wednesday. Um, with less than two weeks until the Iowa caucus, 27% of Democratic or Democratic-leaning voters prefer Sanders, uh, according to the poll, with 24% backing Joe Biden. Um, and then Elizabeth Warren, 14%. Pete Buttigieg, the bread price fixer, oh. 11%. If he messed with the sourdough, I'll have him tarred and feathered. All right, well, let's move on and just finally put a button on it. I think the New York Times, I think, ironically enough, it makes women look weak, and I think they were pathetic, and I think women can handle, um, say, if they lose, they can they can handle it. Women are very, very strong, stronger than the New York Times think that they are. That is my personal opinion. Let me know what you think. The Last Podcast Network at gmail.com. Let's talk about something positive, though. Should we? Yes. Utah. They have banned gay conversion therapy for LGBTQ kids. 
thank God. Gay conversion therapy, for those that don't know, is a therapy that believes you can pray the gay away. It's a therapy that believes shocking someone in the testicles might make them not aroused to men or women. Uh, it's a therapy that believes that gay people are born flawed. It's extremely psychologically damaging. It ruins lives in a way that is hard to really describe because it's not just being made fun of for being gay. It's not being like, oh, you know, the typical um, sort of bully harassment you might get for being a little weird in high school. This is sanctioned by adults. This is oftentimes massive hospitals, uh, companies, people who are profiting off of you uh, being gay and their bottom line is we can change them. This is something that strikes at the heart of what a human being is, and I am very happy to see Utah doing away with gay conversion therapy. Everyone involved, in my personal opinion, it should be not just done away with, it needs to be 100% illegal and that's what they did here so this was uh it's the 19th state and one of the most conservative to prohibit it that's only there's only 19 states that prohibit gay conversion therapy and i think this is a great message if utah can can get rid of it alabama can get rid of it yeah louisiana can get rid of it i don't know i don't know if wisconsin has it but if wisconsin has it they can get rid of it this is according to shannon minter she is the legal director for the national center for lesbian rights she says uh, about this decision to ban gay conversion therapy it's really given people a lot of hope she goes on to say this measure will truly save lives and the reason that this is a big deal, again, is because religious people mm -hmm. tend to side more. The Michelle Bachmans of the world, of course, Marcus Bachman, who are obviously gay husband. Yes. Obviously gay husband. Uh, you know, they're out in Minneapolis, um, in Minnesota. They did gay conversion therapy. I don't think it worked on your husband whatsoever. Anyway, there's a religious component to it, a massive religious component to it, evangelicalism. And, of course, Mormonism, which is also against uh, the LGBTQ community. There is 3.1 million residents or two-thirds of the state in Utah are Mormon. So again, that makes this even a bigger issue and a bigger win for the LGBTQ community and just the community as a whole. I always enjoy being in a building, knowing that in the building next to me, someone isn't getting tortured because of their sexual orientation. I just feel good about it. I just breathe easier. I breathe easier. I like that. I don't, I don't smell the smoke as there's as they're shocking this person's testicles, mm -hmm. as their eyes are glued open, as if they're in the movie Clockwork Orange, uh, watching two men have sex with each other. And then they I believe they make people watch gay sex and then they hurt them during it, which probably just gives someone a very bizarre fetish. I think it just awakens something. And if I if I were getting zapped while watching gay porn, I think I might just become a. Uh, just a different kind of guy altogether. Um, you would be changed. Have you, have you know, neither of us are gay men, but have you ever had anything similar to gay conversion therapy as far as like religious stuff well, goes? Well, I grew up very religious. So everything that you want to do, everything that you instinctively feel is correct, they say is wrong. And so the entire process is a conversion of what human beings should actually be doing yes um so but no I, and i don't think my older no as a matter of fact i believe my 
older brother because of course both of my older brothers are gay i believe my parents may have tried to send him to a therapist yes a christian therapist yes but no i mean the only conversion therapy that i had was when they tried to fill me full of drugs like ritalin and everything is uh there was one horrible one that made me feel like a sociopath um, that was the only conversion that I had because I was a little bit of a rabble rouser. I attended, and they didn't like that. I attended Southern Baptist churches hmm. for a good chunk of my childhood. And there is a sort of initiation into Southern Baptist churches for children. And that is the accepting of Jesus Christ into your heart. And the way that some Southern Baptist churches do it, at least the white Southern Baptist churches do it, is they will call, all to, call together all of the children in the church and then the sweaty pastor or minister will always sweaty will scream and scream and get in your face and say do you accept jesus christ as lord and savior as your lord and savior and you say yes you have to you say yes but that's not what they're looking for they want you they want blood they want you to start crying they want to break down your ego (laughs) they want to break you down as a person and then have you and your sobbing sort of puddle of yourself right they want you to accept jesus christ in that state yes then you're easier to molest as well and that is half a joke and half true um so good job utah thank you for doing that it's 2020 it's a little it's about time but they are again one of only 19 states to ban gay conversion therapy it's a form of torture it does not need to exist there's nothing wrong with being gay. Nothing wrong with being transgender. So we don't need therapy to fix something that's not a problem. So hopefully uh, more conservative states and evidently more liberal states as well. Seems like a lot of states. Seems like uh, 31 states have to uh, get on the bandwagon well, here. Uh, and, let, uh, let, let me guess, Ben. You also want to ban exorcisms. <laughs> let me guess. I actually you don't. Want, I like to watch them. You want me to be, you want a demon to hide and reside in my body. Whoa, in your butthole. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on to something here that's a little bit less uh, social and more economic. Under phase one of the U.S.-China deal. So this U.S.-China deal, it happened to the surprise of many. Obviously, Donald Trump and the uh, the uh, strongman approach to China has it worked? Has it not worked? Evidently, it is working a little bit because China will now place fifty billion dollars in additional orders for U.S. agriculture products within two years. China will buy up to fifty billion in additional U.S. services within the same time frame. Of course, these are the goods that were these are the industries that were devastated by trump's trade war to begin with the agriculture industry the farmers yeah the factory farmers these industries were being devastated uh, by donald trump's trade war so this is supposed to provide them some relief china would also purchase 75 billion in manufacturing goods within two years China will also buy 50 billion more of energy supplies, and the U.S. is canceling planned tariffs on Chinese-made cell phones, toys, and laptop computers, and halved the tariff rate to 7.5% on about $120 billion worth of other Chinese goods, including flat panel televisions, Bluetooth headphones, and footwear. So you can watch this exciting 
impeachment hearing, impeachment trial now. Yes. You can watch it on a flat screen TV. Isn't that a miracle? Don't bother because nothing is really happening at this at this Senate trial. The U.S. leaves in place 25% uh, tariffs on over $250 billion in Chinese industrial goods and components used by U.S. manufacturers. China maintains retaliatory tariffs on more than $100 billion in U.S. goods. It does not resolve complaints about Beijing's longstanding practice of propping up state-owned companies in issue that will be discussed on phase two so for the trump administration i suppose this is a large win uh we will see what happens when it comes to phase two but this does not address the elephant in the room when it comes to china which is intellectual property theft and china is still king of the mountain when it comes to stealing our intellectual property undercutting the american market going forward with their own products based upon our tech the chinese are better than anyone at stealing it and this has not addressed that whatsoever which i do believe has to be addressed because they are undercutting american markets okay so there you go that's what's happening in business news now let's move on a little bit when it comes to travel bans how excited are you to talk about travel bans how excited are you uh, I just found out that Eritrea was a country. Eritrea? It sounds like a place that might be like Aragon is from. No. That's a Lord of the Rings reference. No. All right. Well, I don't know if they're allowed to immigrate to the United States. Probably not. We don't like elves around here, evidently. So in 2017, Donald Trump unveiled the controversial travel ban uh, that included countries such as Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. And now he is expanding the travel ban to other countries. I don't exactly know why these countries are on the list, but evidently Donald Trump and his administration believe that they pose a significant threat to the homeland. We'll go through them, and I don't understand why, because my, if my memory serves correctly, we have not had any domestic terrorists from any of these countries. So who's next, potentially, on the travel ban list? Nigeria. You remember Nigeria, all the Nigerian terrorism we've been suffering. Belarus. They're coming over here with their fancy tobacco and uh, their desire to dance to techno. Myanmar. Goodbye, Myanmar. Remember that when they shut up that mall that never happened? Uh, Eritrea, this is the country that you said. Eritrea. Eritrea, again, sounds very Lord of the Ringsy. I love it. Kurdistan, Sudan, and Tanzania. No idea why these are going to be on a travel ban other than Donald Trump's desire or need politically to throw more red, be red meat at his anti-immigration base, led by Ann Coulter, who hasn't really been heard about too much or heard from too much because she turned on the president. He wasn't mean enough on immigration, despite the fact we had children in cages. But for Ann Coulter, that was just the beginning. I think that's probably the point of, you know, naming these countries is because they won't actually be any there is no political ramifications to banning people from these countries but it also gives him an opportunity to look like he's banning people he's from banning people he's banning all the tanzanians <laughs> one former administration official has no clue why the hell this is <laughs> yeah, happening exactly. a dude named john campbell he's a foreign uh, he's a career foreign service officer he served as ambassador to nigeria from 2004 
to 2007. He called this list, quote, baffling. He goes on to say, the collection of states don't seem to have much in common. He finishes up, the one thing that may connect them all are issues of airport security. Under the existing travel ban, countries must comply with certain security requirements. They have to establish counterterrorism policies and biometric standards in order to participate in the U.S. immigration uh, programs. This is according to Chad Wolf. He is the acting department of Homeland Security Secretary, he says, for a small number of countries that lack either the will or the capability to adhere to these criteria, travel restrictions may become necessary to mitigate threats. So basically, they don't have TSA, which that that's what this means, right? They literally don't have airport security as they come to the United States. But then when you land in the United States, there's a little thing called immigration, yeah. which is pretty freaking intense. And not to mention TSA doesn't it's, work. It's also it's um, a sham. pretend. It's pretend. Uh, Whenever they do a test, 95% of the things get through that they are supposed to stop getting through. So this just seems like a off-the-wall excuse, as Travis said, it's, for Donald Trump to yeah. say, hey, I'm banning people and throwing red meat at the anti-immigrant base, despite the fact that 50 to 75% of so-called illegals, undocumented immigrants, pay taxes, federal and state taxes, local taxes. They add about $7 billion uh, to our economy. They add about $7 billion in taxes to our economy. The entire idea that immigrants are the problem is a total lie. And Donald Trump, again, it's an election year, so get ready for more ramp up when it comes to immigration rhetoric, trying to get that base riled up, trying to get more people upset with their neighbors and the people that they see at the supermarket. Yeah, he's just going to start listing it's just going to say anything. fictional countries that uh, honestly, Eritrea, Eritrea might be fake. Eritrea, Eritrea might be fake. Eritrea might be fake. They might have just. I mean, what we wouldn't know. No, not not. I not. haven't looked at a globe, not in a long time. I'm trying to think of any fictional countries. Any fictional countries? Fictional countries. Canada. Canada. That's about as fictional as it gets. Okay, so that is the travel ban. The the potential inclusion of Nigeria was particularly confusing to foreign policy experts and former diplomats. It's Africa's most populous country, and hundreds of thousands of Nigerian immigrants live in the United States. Campbell goes on to say... Were a meaningful travel restriction put in place, the impact on Nigerian opinion of the United States would be very bad. He goes on to say the people who actually run Nigeria, the movers and shakers, all value enormously the ability to travel. They want to go to Disney World. They want to go shopping on Rodeo Drive. Many of them have property here. The Nigerian establishment would really resist. And again, we do not need a travel ban on any of those countries. America is doing just fine. Immigrants built this country like my father. We do not need the U.S. to ban travel from any of those countries. And let's also point out a bit of the white elephant in the room. None of them are white. And here are, here are some other countries that Trump is banning. Um, Cloud Cuckoo Land. Ooh. The Drenai Empire. 
uh, El Dorado, Elbonia, Elbonia, uh, Costaguana, sure, and Fredonia. This is according to Josh Blackman. He's a professor at the South Texas College of Law. He says. Trump obviously likes the symbolism of releasing on the third anniversary of the travel ban, which was not a very successful rollout. But Trump thinks this is a good idea, and that's what he wants to do. And again, the Supreme Court in June of 2018 upheld the original travel ban. I'm assuming most likely setting the precedent for them to uphold this travel ban if it ever does go through. Perhaps this is just more Donald Trump bluster trying to again rile up a base that likes to ask where you're from, why you're here, go back to your country, which is very similar to what Eric Adams had to say, our Brooklyn Borough president regarding people from the Midwest. He wants you to go back to Kansas. Uh, but that's local news and we don't have to talk okay. about it we don't have to talk about it I will go back to Kansas though there's nothing to do in Kansas is that true do you think so you're from there yeah you're probably right uh, I, but I would I'll go back to Georgia instead alright so there it is on the travel ban and let's see just lastly here let's let's wrap it on up well okay before we get to the impeachment thing I know we've already been talking for over an hour here but Tulsi Gabbard suing Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton called her a Russian asset she's suing Hillary Clinton for 50 million bucks God knows the Clintons have it who knows if she's gonna win and one more story before we talk about impeachment and I know every other show probably starts with impeachment maybe I'm wrong I just feel like our audience doesn't care and it is happening whether you like it or not it's though. happening yeah. and you can watch the reality show I know, you, I know how much you like uh, the travel ban happening, mm. uh, but it, it, the Senate trial is happening. All right. So this is actually more good news in my personal opinion. You, you know me. I'm for criminal justice reform. I want to see people out of prison, not in prison, because I think people deserve to be free. Not everyone, though. The Supreme Court has allowed a lawsuit against Flint City officials to go forward this is good news. Flint City officials in 2014, and we've talked about this in the past, they changed the water supply. They wanted to help out a big corporation. They changed the water supply. So the city's decision to change water sources from Lake Huron, which you know what it was? And I love this about Lake Huron. It was clean. Didn't have a lot of lead in it. Love that when it comes to drinking water. They switched it from Lake Huron to the Flint River, which has been it is the Hudson. It is disgusting. It is polluted. It is disgusting. It's a cesspool. It's a toilet. It's sewage water. They were like, this is going to be perfect for the people of Flint to drink, despite the fact Lake Huron was totally fine forever. Flint residents, of course, immediately started to get sick. They experienced hair loss, skin rashes, and it sounds like it's out of the 1700s. They experienced Legionnaire's disease and, of course, lead poisoning. Twelve people died from Legionnaire's disease in the aftermath. The case was brought in 2016 by Sherry Gerton. Her kid drank a bunch of lead water. I don't think the kid is doing great. The people named in the lawsuit are former officials, including former Governor Rick Schneider, who needs to be perp-walked to the jail where he should sit for, I'm going to say this, a year of life, which is not even that much time 
12 years. Put him in prison for 12 years. People get much, much more for much, much less hell. As far as I'm concerned, put him away for life. The defendants in this case are Flint City officials. One of those dudes, former emergency manager Darnell Early and Gerald Ambrose and Howard Croft, the former director of Flint's Public Works Department. This lawsuit has been allowed to go forward. I think that is a good thing. These people need to be held accountable for the policies that they put in place to line their own pockets at the expense of the people of the town that they were sent to serve and protect. Governor Schneider needs to be behind bars for the murder of 12 people. So I think this is good that this lawsuit can go forward. Hopefully the people of Flint get some justice. God knows they deserve it. And all of those city officials should hang their head in shame, should walk with shame. And again, this is why we need to bring back tar and feathering. Don't you think Schneider goes to prison because he's in charge? Everyone else, tar and feather him. Yeah, I wonder how. Uh, I wonder how the news would cover a tar, a good old fashioned tar and feathering. Well, speaking of news coverage, let's talk impeachment. So it is a pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that Trump will not be removed from office. It'll be a technical victory uh, by by the end of this Senate trial. Um, but we have this week. The prosecution, the House, is putting ca- putting their case forward. Yeah. Um, but amongst all this, Mitch McConnell has set the rules for the trial, which involves no witnesses, mm-hmm. um, no additional evidence, no cross-examination. But you know what is allowed? What's that? Dogs? Milk. No kidding. Yeah. They're not, they're not allowed to bring in anything, uh, any liquids, except for water and milk. <laughs> It's disgusting. Wow, those so you, are old people. So you and, and another rule is that so the prosecution has twenty four combined hours uh-huh. to make their case, right? So they're so they're splitting their uh, their pro, they're they're uh, splitting up their prosecution over like eight hour days mm-hmm. um, until they get to the twenty four hour mark, at which point they have to pass the ball over to uh, to the defense, right? Suckalo. But uh, so there seems to be two different there's going to be two different strategies here. You know, uh, House is is putting just the facts out. Basically, they're they're just reiterating the It's uh, the same thing we heard. They're, they're we know the story. The House impeachment uh, inquiry. But because they are not allowed to bring witnesses, they're not but allowed. They to- also could have brought witnesses to the House. They could have just subpoenaed John Bolton. They could have forced him to testify and they didn't. But then the then uh, Mitch McConnell and his crew will just be um, casting aspersions on the the process, and so that's just basically yes. going to be the, the the two things that happen. And amidst all of that, it's going to be tired old people drinking milk. Oh, it's going to be a tooty town. That's it. It's disgusting. So yes, so you can watch the theater. Uh, because that's what it is. It's political theater. The way that they cover it, it's really sad that they pretend it has any outcome other than the outcome we all know it will have. That is why I do not give a, I'm going to say it, shit about the impeachment. I understand it is a very significant thing. He's only the third president to be impeached. The American people, I don't know. I guess it's 
it's fine. I, I don't know. Whatever. This Most is, people disagree with Donald Trump. They think he's doing a bad job. Disappro- 53% disapprove. So he doesn't have a huge amount of uh, uh, approval rating amongst the American people. But again, you want the guy out of office, you got to beat him at the box. This is It's all happening very quickly, and there's not a lot of time to watch it anyway, the Senate impeachment trial. But, uh, boy, I really think that there should be some... They got somebody's got to be held their feet to the fire. I think the room itself should start filling with milk. I think that's great. Just they should like, all drown in milk. Just sort of like a uh, an hour, you know, a sand uh, hourglass kind of I effect. I think that's great. I think the room should just start filling with milk. You make your arguments in front of a camera, and then by the end of it, we'll see. Um, who sinks and who swims in the in the milk, I mean. Oh, uh, absolutely. And again, going back to Bernie, conversation at top of the show, uh, and, and Warren to some degree as well. I think it was on purpose. I think that's why Nancy Pelosi held the articles of impeachment for a month. They wanted to get them out of campaign mode. They wanted to put them in Congress. Well, yeah, they yeah. wanted to make them stay in D.C., because even Bernie has admitted he'd rather be, I'd rather be in New Hampshire, whatever the fuck. Yeah, he has like. his, uh, he, you know, there are several candidates with surrogates in Iowa and New Hampshire because the actual candidates are yeah. drinking milk. <laughs> hey, man. They're drinking milk. They you, got milk. You gotta have um, those strong bones to deal but, with the sucker punches But then coming. you have, then you have Yang, who's, uh, who's in Iowa singing and dancing in the churches. I don't know if you've seen this video. I did, Yang Gang, baby. That video is incredible. You have Jesus, you have Andrew Yang in church <laughs> singing and dancing to some gospel music. It's actually very funny. That's Yang Gang for you. Always love him. We've got to have him back on the show at some point. Um, all right, so there we go with impeachment. The, the Republicans, they will have the floor next week. Of course, that's going to be the defense team. The defense team is throw a rock, you'll find it, you'll hit a pedo. Um, Alan Dershowitz, Dershowitz. Ken Starr, yes. Jay Sukalow, who is a television lawyer, uh, and then there's a few more people on there, but Dershowitz and Starr and Sukalow are Dershowitz, the three big names. Pro massage, but anti taking off his. He underwear. He doesn't take off his underwear. Thank God he's never nude. Yes, thank God. So, as a matter of fact, Dershowitz. One thing that he has been steadfast on, he's been pretty anti-impeachment for a long time. As a matter of fact, one of the Harvard professors that said that Donald Trump should be impeached also wanted to impeach Ronald Reagan. It's uh, it's one of those things where do you want one house? If the House has a majority, do you want them to just constantly be impeaching the president, whether the president's a Democrat or Republican? That's the precedent that some people are concerned that we're going down here, or that we're going to set for future presidents of the United States of these America. Dershowitz, he would have argued against the impeachment of Hillary Clinton as well. He's supposedly a liberal Democrat, although I don't know what that means anymore. But Starr, of course, is someone who actively tried to impeach Bill Clinton uh, because Bill Clinton lied under oath. Of course, the Starr Report, if you want to read the Fifty Shades of Grey, the political version, you can read that disgusting story. Uh, Ken Starr was extremely, I don't want to say insensitive because that's that's underplaying it. He just destroyed Monica Lewinsky for fun. Right. That's what the Starr Report did. They didn't have to put in any of that salacious crap. They chose to do it. So now Ken Starr, he's the real hypocrite here. Dershowitz is Dershowitz, and he's actually made the same case over and over again. Personal life aside, when it comes to this stuff, 
it's interesting to see him defending Donald Trump because, of course, he didn't vote for the guy and, um, you know, Harvard professor and the whole nine. He's one of the few legal scholars uh, to say that Donald Trump shouldn't be impeached. But listen to Ken Starr. He's going to lie through his teeth. Suckalo will do something very similar. And it won't matter because the votes are basically already cast. My prediction is Joe Manchin will end up going over and say no to impeachment. And any senator who is in a pro-Trump state that is a Democrat will say no to impeachment. I'm assuming it'll be 60. Um, I'm assuming it will be 50. Three no's, 47 yes to impeach. And of course, they're going to need to get 66 yes to impeach. So that is the only reason we haven't really paid much attention to it. We know the situation with Zelensky and the 400 million and all of this stuff. We know the situation. We understand what happened. Presidents, they used their bully pulpit. Certainly Donald Trump did in one of the dumbest ways possible. We need to, you know, treat our allies with a little bit more respect and not have them do our political dirty work. Honestly, Trump is around enough people like Roger Stone. Roger Stone is obviously locked up, but he's around enough people to probably get dirt on the Bidens without using the president of Ukraine. Nonetheless, it's not a good look. It's not something he should have done. But the political reality is he will not be out of office, although he will be impeached. He is impeached. And if he wins re-election, he will win re-election as an impeached president. I think the Dems gave him his entire presidential campaign, which is they tried to remove me. I've been found innocent. They wanted to undermine democracy, which is probably why we should go with another populist populist like Bernie Sanders who can take away some of that support that Donald Trump has from working class people, specifically in some states, working class whites, and of course in others, uh, people who have been decimated uh, by uh, the economic reality of this country. Many of those people, of course, people of color. So we will see what happens Going forward, Bernie Sanders, obviously, he will be voting to impeach. Elizabeth Warren, the same. Delaney, you hear his name now because he's still a senator. And he's still technically running for president. Isn't that funny? He is going to vote to impeach. Is it going to mean anything? No. Bernie Sanders and Warren and Delaney, to some degree, would much rather be out on the campaign trail. My conspiracy cap comes on, and I don't even think it's that much of a conspiracy. I think the Democratic elite, the people who run the party, the people who pull the strings, wanted to put the progressives in a box in Washington, D.C. So Joe Biden can go out there, eat pancakes, and just charm the people of Iowa and New Hampshire. Could be. Could be. I mean, yeah. I mean, Honestly, it could nothing. The way that the the way that they have unfurled the attacks on Bernie Sanders, the way that it has just been so calculated, so coordinated. It's not easy to get an interview with Hillary Clinton. That was probably planned for six months. Absolutely. Whatever happened to uh, James O'Keefe? James, uh, James O'Keefe actually broke a pretty big story recently. But oh, I'm, he did the uh, the Epstein thing. He did the Epstein oh, thing, no. which is actually a good story. Sometimes, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. James O'Keefe, I had some friends who worked for him. 
He's a scumbag. He's one of these guys <laughs> He's who... He's a real scumbag. He but. is. He creates news. Like, this yes. is where you go in, you go undercover, you have your hidden camera, you create a scenario, call it news, yeah. and then report on what you've created. Very similar to what CNN did what with did, the Elizabeth what Warren did, What did he do in, like, 2010? It was about housing. He, like basically went into he did something with acorn that was acorn. an abortion thing yeah and, and he then, like he was talking about how he was a pimp and he did something with immigration he does very outlandish political stunts again he creates the scenario and then believe it or not when you create a scenario you can also create the outcome from said scenario and then you can report it and that's called um, Impra- manufactured news. It's called Impractical Jokers on Whoa! True TV. <laughs> love Impractical Jokers. I do too, actually. Oh, I love those guys. <laughs> Sal is Sal Vancano is amazing. Joe, they're all honestly the sweetest guys. Q, they're such sweet dudes. Amazing. So this ends with a plug for Impractical Jokers. Amazing hotel watching. I will say <laughs> I it's the best guys. thing to watch in a hotel room. I truly, unironically, love everything they do. <laughs> And I just think it I just think it's wonderful. All right, well, speaking of plugs, we are going exclusive to Spotify on Valentine's Day. That's February 14th, 2020. So go on over and get your free account and listen to Abe Lincoln's Top Hat free, as always, on Spotify. We're super excited. It's gonna be great. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Never forget, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. 